Hey everyone, welcome to the Metaportal podcast. I'm AG and uh, I'm joined as always by Dark Forest Capital. We're both contributors to the Index Corp and methodologists for the Metaverse Index. And uh, today we'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the space and some of the content and research that we put out over the last uh, few weeks, uh, specifically on kind of the WAX blockchain as well as NFT games and how they compare to traditional games, the economics of those and, and so on. So um, how are you doing, Dark Forest? Doing very well. Thanks for that fantastic intro, AG. We, we've seen quite a bit of a market uh, sell-off recently, a bit of turmoil in the markets. Obviously, the very speculative tokens related to Metaverse and NFTs weren't immune to that. Um, so yeah, I've just been trying to weather the storm, really. Uh, as you know, I took a little bit of time off recently and sort of tried to catch up on um, both DeFi and, and the Metaverse, as you know, you and I both have a foot in each camp at the moment, and we're trying to sort of juggle our understanding. But yeah, it's, it's starting to get a bit overwhelming, the amount of new developments and projects and people and ideas to keep up with uh, on both sides of the fence there. But that's what keeps it exciting, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think you overlay all of that with recent price action and, and it, it does get quite overwhelming. I think generally speaking, right, when we looked at the performance um, of ETH, Bitcoin, um, DeFi and the metaverse, uh, the metaverse did underperform, which in my mind, it's a function of the fact that metaverse projects are kind of a bit earlier in, in their journey and uh, are smaller, uh, small cap uh, sort of projects. And within the metaverse index, we continue to sort of see the trend of large caps outperforming the small caps. So in my mind, actually, the, the performance was a little bit as expected in in these sort of market conditions where riskier and smaller assets underperform the bigger and more established ones. Um, but yeah, as you said, it, it's been it's been quite challenging to keep up with everything on both DeFi and uh, the metaverse side of things, and the kind of the development really doesn't doesn't stop right it hasn't slowed down at all we still see new releases on a daily basis and they are getting more complicated and more complex in terms of the protocols that are coming out on the DeFi side specifically um and in the metaverse there is just new stuff popping up every day new games play to earn is taking off um so yeah it's uh it's been it's been hectic and uh did take us a couple of weeks weeks to record this second episode of our podcast. I know that uh, you were quite excited about intelligent NFTs a couple of weeks ago when we talked about them, and yeah, perhaps you you want to kind of describe those to to the community. I think there was like a an auction sale of, of one of those. Um, so yeah, if uh, if you want to give everyone a little bit of a rundown on what intelligent nfts are that would be great yeah definitely so this is something that uh, another contributor at the index co-op kind of pulled me into at the last minute but um basically we jumped on the phone with i believe the the founder was called arif khan and uh, he works for alatea which 
I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, basically, they're a, a group that have formed around the idea of, like you say, creating this uh, INFT, the intelligent NFT. And the auction that you just talked about is taking place from the 3rd to the 10th of June at Sotheby's. And it's for the first one of these INFTs that's going to be publicly available. Now, what they're doing with this project is like super cool. Like when we talk about the metaverse and the metaverse index, we're talking about the intersection of like moving your life to um, digital spaces or, or like a, an online persistent, um, uh, what would you call it? Like a existence, basically uh, a digital existence and, and that me meeting the blockchain and those two technologies meeting being like really powerful. When you come to talk about INFTs, the stuff that they're combining is just insane. It's all individually mind-blowing technologies, and then they're combining them all together. So what they're doing is they're putting uh, something called GPT-3 to work in the background. And I don't know how, how you'd describe that. It's basically like, a, I guess you could just call it code, but it's, um, it's like a, a generative code that allows for you to sort of talk back and forth with something, whether that's in text or um, via speech. So that kind of gives the NFT a soul. Then obviously they've got the NFT itself, which as a technology on the blockchain, we're only just starting to tap into the potential of, of what that's allowing. You add on top of that the fact that you can have like a generative 3D model that reacts based on um, the words that it's saying, or the input that it's getting uh, with emotional cues on its face, for example, and then give that some interoperability, uh, as you see already with with NFTs on the blockchain, uh, and you can start to you can start to see where this is going to be really powerful. So you've got all of those technologies underpinning like one substantive idea, effectively. So the first um, the first INFT that's being auctioned is. Uh, it's like a, a human face, basically. They called it Alice, and it's got a manifesto um, as its like personality. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it. So, somebody called Robert Alice, who is a curator at Sotheby's, um, he he wrote this manifesto, and the the AI itself is is going to use that text as a basis for like how it responds to stuff. And then the really clever thing is. As you interact with it and it answers questions and you give it inputs, there's a learning process going on there as well. So the paths of development for the INFT are effectively like unlimited and it, each one will be completely unique because of how it's been in, interacted with once it's out in the wild. So if you start to extrapolate where all of this stuff can go, um, obviously whilst uh, I was like listening to all of this on the call, it was like each stage was sort of mind-blowing in and of itself. But then you can start to see how maybe you could create one of these things, form a community around it, and then fractionalize the ownership of it. And if it's if you make it like a virtual um, influencer, something like Lil Michaela, uh, so anybody who's on Instagram might have come across Lil Michaela. She's basically a 3D um, influencer run by a group of creatives in the background and she's appeared in adverts with like Gucci, Armani, whatever it might be. So you can actually monetize a avatar uh, and and then because they've got their own personality they can star in adverts or they can do interviews. So if you're a DAO formed around 
the idea of like feeding inputs into this thing to give it a certain personality, you can tailor it so that it fits a certain market or a you know a certain um, like group that you want to target, and you can take that to market and and you can earn money from it. Um, so like that's just one example, but I th I think that's so powerful because we're already starting to see this with, with these like virtual influencers. They're all existing in certain individual buckets, but now there's something that can pull all of that together, like all of the technologies that we're seeing, all of the value capture that you see on the blockchain, um, all of the clever neural networks and artificial intelligence all into one. So it was really weird. It was one of those things where if you were being shilled it, you would say, no, nah, this is too good to be true. And you'd probably just write it off as just another like vaporware project. But when it's explained to you in detail and they're talking about how they're trying to do like gated launches because obviously there's so much potential here on like good and bad with what you can do with it. Um, it just feels like something really genuine and potentially explosive in terms of what this technology can, can unlock. So yeah, hopefully I've done a half decent job of explaining it. Like I say, there's a lot of like complicated tech in there and not everybody will have heard of, of all of it, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm super excited about it and, and I just left the call like absolutely buzzing and, and wondering how to invest in the token actually because yeah i think it's going to be big so is the main way this nft sort of learns and develops personality through interaction right it, it like it doesn't search the web for answers and to sort of enhance its understanding of of the world or enhance it's it's learning right like it basically the personality is shaped through interaction with either a person or a community you could do that though you could um for example you could plug in if we're talking about the index co-op community maybe like lemonade alpha's twitter feed your twitter feed and my twitter feed and it can scrape that data and use it to create like a combined index co-op personality so you could you could release this NFT into the wild or give it its own like Twitter account. Um, and it would be looking for this data, pulling this data in, learning from it, aggregating it, and then putting out tweets that are based on the data that it's, that it's had as an input. So you could basically do like an index co-op update INFT and it would pull in from all of the contributors feeds and then put out stuff that it thinks is interesting based on that. So um, yeah, it's totally, it's actually totally possible to do that. And to extend it further, I suppose you can have it scrape the forum and the Discord channel and like end up being like the digital 3D representative of the index cop, right? And it can like, like you said, it can appear in interviews or um, yeah, it, it can just kind of represent the collective of the index cop in different sort of media forums just just by scraping this data and sort of developing that aggregating and developing the personality and having the ability to actually communicate yeah that's that's quite crazy yeah absolutely and that that's the um the reason that the sort of call took place in the first place we were looking at can we do anything with a mascot uh, and have the index co-op owl, for example, as a, a generative model 
feed it the data that it needs and have like really cool tweets come out about our data and analytics from the June dashboards or uh, interesting forum posts or maybe just a bit of um, Lemonade Alpha's uh, wit on Twitter. Like it could it could pull from all of those and and sort of yeah come up with some uh, some really interesting output. So yeah, I'd imagine we'll start to see lots of DAOs or real-world businesses taking these things on and doing really cool stuff with it. Like the, the possibilities are endless. And, and that was a really interesting part of the conversation because, as I briefly mentioned before, there is a, a risk here because it's like decentralized technology, or it will be. Um, there's potential for people to do stuff that maybe you wouldn't want them to do with. And that's where the Alatea community is going to be really interesting and, and having that token to align everybody's incentives because then that way if you get an outcome or somebody using it for like nefarious purposes that you wouldn't want then perhaps there can be like a, a community way of managing that so um, the, the token then becomes uh, a really integral part of how these things develop yeah like a kill switch or something yeah i mean <laughs> community triggered just in case it becomes like Skynet from Terminator and, and starts to learn learn more than <laughs> we want it to. Yeah. yeah, I think you can totally see how these intelligent NFTs can become a proper economic actors in, in the metaverse uh, backed by sort of DAOs and communities, right? <laughs> Which is rather futuristic, right? Like if you, if you just take a step back and, and you know, you go outside and look at the world today, and, and sort of try to overlay what we're talking about on top of that. It it doesn't quite it doesn't quite click. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's where the metaverse itself is uh, is kind of really exciting, and and which is why we call it the future of just about uh, anything from play to work and and so on. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, you can start to see these things happening in like individual instances. So you've got um, like the founder of Hedgick, Molly, if she does an interview, she'll do it with a 3D avatar. And I don't know in the background, I, I doubt she's in like a motion capture suit, but obviously it's, it's listening to what she's saying and it's putting some movements around it. So it looks fairly realistic. Uh, and I've seen some other anonymous devs use the same technology. Um, and then you've got NFTs and then you've got, virtual influencers like all of this stuff is happening in silos but this technology brings all of it together and i just think the power that it's going to unlock for communities like it's i think it's really going to disrupt the creative industry so around the um like movies and uh probably music as well potentially music as well um because if you can have a character that appears in a movie because it's you know, it's just CGI. You can like license its uh, appearance in a movie and, and then earn money from it. So it's not all just accruing to, you know, the, the giants behind Marvel or like Sony with Spider-Man or whoever it might be. So again, it's just another way that crypto is democratizing uh, value for everybody, really. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how how this develops and. Uh... Yeah, there's definitely, like we talked about, there's so much stuff uh, coming out in the space that I think over the next couple of years, there's going to be dramatic changes in in how certain things 
work and, and how they're monetized, especially when it comes to kind of the, the creative class. I think that's that's kind of the first the first domino. Yeah, I think, you know, with that, we can kind of wrap this subject up a little bit and talk about some research that uh, we put out on the Metaportal Substack. And uh, I'd like to kind of start with the work you did on looking into WAX token and, and blockchain, um, obviously part of the Metaverse Index. And uh, I think one of the top five holdings pretty close to, I think it's about seven, eight percent of the portfolio. So it's a rather meaningful position and uh, definitely has some some interesting characteristics there from kind of the very non-traditional value capture to the fact that it's it's its own blockchain that apparently is quite popular, but perhaps underrated or under talked about. Um, so maybe we uh, we talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I think you covered it quite nicely there. I was going to say it's um, it's an underreported project or blockchain. Definitely, um, it, it seems like from even from talking to some of my friends who don't really know that much about crypto, like a couple of them had bought into NFTs, and it turns out they were on Wax. So I think a lot of people just end up there um, just through the sheer like breadth of, of reach that they have with some of the projects on there. Like, for example, uh, Weezer, who are a band, a US band, I believe, recently launched an NFT series on there. Uh, but then on the, on the flip side of that, you've got like Major League Baseball um, through Tops uh, doing their Major League Baseball cards. So there's, yeah, there's quite a bit of diversity. Um, there's also like blockchain games, we've got Our Planet and Alien Worlds there both huge in terms of their numbers um, and when you look on like for example on crypto slam uh, and you, you're looking at like fees generated by all of these different nft projects those games are consistently in the top 10 on the wax blockchain and you'd expect everything in there to be well i personally expected everything to be on ethereum and then obviously flow with uh, nba top shot but consistently like i say there's there's wax projects in there so it was interesting to, to sort of finally bash this one out, go into detail uh, and figure out exactly what was going on because there, there isn't a great amount of um, information out there. I think possibly the most interesting part for me was the tokenomics. So obviously WAX have gone away and, and created their own blockchain for all of this activity to take place. But what they're doing is allowing for the economic uh, activity to, or the economic value, sorry, to accrue on Ethereum. So all of the, the fees that are accrued on the WAX blockchain basically make their way, after a 20% burn, make their way onto Ethereum where there's a liquidity pool um, for WAX, uh, what is it, WAX E and ETH. So anyone can deposit their WAX E, which is the, the Ethereum version of the WAX token basically. Uh, and there's a bridge in their app to go from the WAX blockchain to Ethereum. So then you deposit deposit into that liquidity pool, and then the fees are every two weeks um, over what they call an epoch are deposited into that pool. So you're earning, and I think at the time that I wrote the article, it was around like eight percent APR um, just from the the fees, which is about one point two five million dollars annualized. So this this kind of stuff like 
is taking place, but not many people are reporting on it. Like th these projects are making money, and, and Wax is, um, yeah, consistently turning over revenue to uh, to stakers, which is nice. And and that cross chain bridge is something pretty novel, and something that I think we might see more of, because at the end of the day, if you're doing settlement of of value, you're going to want it to take place on the most secure chain. So bridging to Ethereum, I, I think it makes sense. Um, so yeah, I'll be I'll be watching this one with a keen eye. Again, at the time of like writing the article, it was not officially confirmed, although it had been mentioned that the eBay NFT marketplace is going to take place on Wax. And I've had another little dig around, and I still can't find anything that like explicitly says that from Wax themselves. Um, perhaps I just missed it, but uh, I think that's still in discussion. So it it's kind of like a, a sleeping giant almost, um, and it yeah I think they need to get some like higher quality projects to really break through. To like obviously Flow did really well with landing MBA, and now they're lining up uh, UFC as well. I think for Wax, if they can if they can land like a, a big license for to do something with with another big brand, that will really get them into the mainstream eye and, and possibly like lift their profile. But otherwise, yeah, they're, they're turning over, um, well, turning over revenue and giving it out to stakers. So that's quite an interesting tokenomic model there. In terms of like the, the overall sales, if you go and take a look at uh, NFT sales over the period from like April till present, uh, obviously everything sort of died down. Wax has, sort of seen a similar trend they haven't really survived that um so yeah i'm just going to add a little bit more context around that but i also wanted to ask what like if you'd had a dig through and what your takeaway from it was because obviously this was one that i looked at into or looked at in more detail but you've only seen like what i've put out basically yeah i i still think it's it's partially like not not confusing but like it's unclear to me what the value proposition is right like how do you how do you compare for example wax versus flow versus immutable x versus nft projects launching on polygon it's still unclear to me what like, the selling points are for each of those options and why in this type of competitive environment um wax blockchain like why is it going to win or like why is it going to be one of the winners right if it's uh not winner take all uh space uh do, do you have any any thoughts on that yeah definitely so i i think on that it was for me using the site and, and logging in and creating an account was the fact that it's all sort of done in a way that you would if you went to any site that's like linked with Google and you can sign in with Google. So you don't have to worry about like a, a private keys, seed phrases, like MetaMask, browser uh, extensions. Um, like <laughs> You don't have to worry about doing a, a duplicate transaction and having to like unstick yourself. It's basically just done with a login and then you end up on the um, all access page as they call it and you've got your nfts and you've got your dapps and and it's all just in one easy to sort of navigate um site so i think that really abstracts away all of the difficulties that 
people face with like, interacting with blockchain and understanding the technology, which as an Ethereum power user, or even just anyone with a Web3 wallet, like there has to be a level of hurdle that you go over in, in order to actually get on and, and use the network. Whereas Wax have made that all very, very simple. And I think that's what attracts people like my friends who just sort of go, oh, you know, I, I like Dead Mouse. Um, they click on a link, it takes them to create an account with Wax, and then straight away they're able to, you know, purchase. Um, they, they, they can use credit card even, so they can purchase uh, NFTs with a credit card. So that kind of stuff is, is what's giving them a leg up at the moment. Whether that will, like, whether they can leverage that, and like I say, with the, the eBay integration, it's the same sort of thing. Like, you, you don't really know what's going on in the background, and that's what allows them to, to grow their user base, I think. Uh, the flip side of that is that they're only taking fee on secondary market sales. So it's the same as Flow, although I don't know the split exactly for Flow, but uh, it's 2% with Wax. So there's there's definitely room to like change that model, I think, in the future. Um, but for the meantime, they, they've seen huge growth in the amount of accounts that they've got, very quickly rising uh, over 3 million accounts now in the last few weeks. So um yeah, I, th I think mainly due to the simplicity of using it. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I think, especially when it comes to NFTs, like it's it's a bit of a buzz word. A lot of mainstream people sort of uh, try to get into it. Kind of everyone's talking about it. So if it's a an easy onboarding process, I think that simplifies the experience quite a bit. And I agree with you. Like I sort of see stuff being launched on Wax all the time and it like every time i see it it sort of baffles me a little bit um and and i'm like but but why like why are you launching this um on wax uh, but you know apparently it does have the appeal not just to sort of users um for simplicity as you said but also to artists and creatives and game developers as well right like you said i think our planet and alien worlds are really quite popular especially alien worlds um i think it's i think that game has more than 1 million monthly active users which is you know quite meaningful obviously you can't compare that to roblox and so on but um it's uh, yeah it's the most actively played game in crypto so and it's on on wax blockchain so obviously like they're doing they're doing something right and like you said it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sleeper project like it's not widely covered yeah so on the flip side of that then if we were to talk about a project that isn't so under the radar um but is also seeing huge growth you recently wrote an article about uh, axie infinity and how that stacks up against traditional games um are you able to dig in a little bit more there and tell us more about it yeah so the article itself wasn't specifically kind of about Axie, but it did get a lot of engagement from the Axie community um, after after we published it. The main goal of the article was to look at traditional games like Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft, and compare them to NFT games like Axie and, and Sandbox in in like whichever way we we could right and 
what it came down to was basically a bit of a comparison of business and economic models of traditional games versus NFT games. And generally, like if you think about, I used uh, Roblox as an example um, uh, quite a lot throughout the article, uh, primarily because it's a public company, so it's really easy to get information, really easy to get financials, um, and kind of see the the cost structure in a kind of numerical way, right? Just to, to really see the data. And uh, so with Ro Roblox, right, It's you can call it a, a virtual world, uh, similar to what we talk about with Decentraland and Sandbox and so on, that is based on user-generated content, right, UGC. And they give sort of developers a, a set of tools and developers can build these experiences, build these digital worlds, and users can then go and sort of um, play in these games and uh, experience the creation of, uh, of developers. And obviously the more kind of, the more cool content you have on the platform, the more it attracts the users, and that's sort of the flywheel. But Roblox, as a company, hasn't made any money since it uh, since it launched in two thousand four, I believe. Like they've been losing money ever since. Um, and uh, when I say losing money, I talk about the income, right? So not revenue. Obviously, they're generating a lot of revenue and seeing a lot of kind of revenue growth, but they're actually not generating income because their costs offset the revenue that they're bringing in and that was like one of the one of the main points of the article in a way uh, if you look at the cost structure for roblox right they they bring in a decent amount of revenue um, but then once you start sort of thinking about the costs right they first they need to pay to the Apple App Store and, and Google Store for uh, like their share of the transactions that are happening within Roblox. And that's about 30%, uh, 25 to 30% of their revenue. They have to sort of pay, they have to pay their people. I think they have uh, 1,100 or so employees. They have to pay for infrastructure. They have to pay developers to sort of build these experiences. So you know, all in all, it's not, the company is not profitable. And that's where I use the comparison with uh, Axie. Generally speaking, NFT games have much less headcount, right? So like off, off the top, I think Illuvium is about 40, 50 people. Axie, the core team there is about 30. Sandbox, about 100. So the headcount is... Uh, much much lower uh, with most of these games developers and creatives can monetize uh, directly there is no uh, fees that need to be paid to to the app stores and uh, in general these games monetize through through fees on primary and secondary uh, sales on their marketplaces so it's just it's a very very different business model for a very similar type of experience, right? Like you're still experiencing a game as, as a user, but on the other end, 
the company is just much more sustainable. And then obviously, like, there are other aspects there in terms of NFT games, you know, having the ability to reward both developers and uh, players and basically everyone within the ecosystem with, uh, with the token, uh, which aligns the incentives uh, quite well and also allows these NFT games to bootstrap adoption. So there's just, there, there are a lot of ways in which NFT games are superior to traditional games. And obviously like the quality is still lacking somewhat. The, the AAA games are not, um, are not there yet, but that is, that is changing. And once kind of the quality is the same, I think that, you know, it's sort of game over for traditional games just because the economics are much more sustainable for, for NFT games and play to earn phenomenon is really powerful and is going to drive significant sort of user growth. And that flywheel is just going to, is just going to bring a lot of people over from traditional gaming space into the NFT gaming space, not just gamers, but uh, developers and, and so on. Yes, I think that was the thing that um, after reading your article, you and I had a discussion about it and, and talking through when it really clicks and you see that the tokenomics of something that's built on the blockchain and will be decentralized and ha- like the ownership will be handed over to the community and there's play to earn. You just see like how immensely powerful these um, designs are and, and forming an organization around a token like that that whole underlying model is just super powerful and we're starting to see the uptick in in daily active users i'm seeing jeff or axie infinity account on twitter um sort of put out the data every single day or every couple of days now just to show like it's just going exponential um so i think in the communities where the, the play to earn is really uh, like unlocking potential for people it, obviously the word is spreading and we're, we're just starting to see it like really take off at this point so I know you obviously focused heavily on the numbers but for me I'm, I'm just really excited to see like where this goes and how powerful that the narrative and the story becomes I think the example that I said to you was I know a load of people that play Candy Crush Saga on their mobile phones and it's an immensely popular game I think it was actually um from a company in the UK, so a bit close to home for a change. And and it was lauded as like a success and innovative and what have you. But there's no, like you can't extract any value from that. You just sit there staring at a screen and pressing, you know, pressing on magical candies all day. Imagine once you can start to unlock this value uh, around these games, like games that people enjoy playing anyway, but then they can also earn a bit on the side. It's just, absolute dynamite for some of these things and um yeah actually it's going to be like the litmus test we're going to see where does this thing go how quickly does it grow and at some point i think in the new future and hopefully you'll agree from what you've you know the research that you've done these mainstream gaming um companies and uh they're they're gonna have to sit up and take notice because all that's lacking is like you say that trip that triple a title like as soon as we land something super in terms of quality and gameplay um, and has a bit of maybe a bit of weight behind it, then it's just going to be game over. Yeah. And I think 
so I think a lot of the games, a lot of the NFT games, some of them are already incorporating Unity gaming engine into into these games, right? So like if, if you talk about computer games, uh, there are two primary uh, engines to, to build them, uh, which is the Unreal Engine from Epic Games, um, as well as uh, Unity uh, from Unity Technologies. Um, and in general, uh, Unreal is uh, much more common for um, desktop-based games and unity is very popular with uh, mobile games mobile first games and and so we sort of seen the use of unity already in um with nft games um i think both the engine platform and uh, uh the sandbox game uh have uh unity sdks so that's that's sort of on the quality side that that is already happening I think if you look at Fortnite and Epic Games and the vision of uh, of the CEO, they're like he talks about metaverse uh, consistently. So he consistently talk about like metaverse, virtual worlds, how Epic Games is building their business to specifically like to to position themselves so that they can actually have uh, a lot of influence in building of the metaverse. Like, he doesn't talk about blockchain, which is uh, strange to me, but he does talk about um, metaverse uh, a lot. So I think there's a, there's a fair amount of recognition, but, yeah, I think the whole blockchain piece of it and the whole alignment of incentives and ownership hasn't that hasn't clicked yet and i think axie is is interesting and um i, I would say that it's like axie infinity is just winning right now i think it's uh it's probably the only game where play to earn is really really getting a lot of traction and ever since they migrated to to their side chain it's uh it's been lights out in terms of growth but i think illuvium is going to be interesting right because the quality of the game should be really really good um i know uh kieran and aaron the two two co-founders talk about that quite a bit like the quality of the characters the quality of the artwork quality of the gameplay so they're they're very much focused on it and it is going to have play to earn elements as well that's that's going to be fascinating um so i think kind of we're going to see a lot in the next uh, 12 months and and interesting interestingly like looking back at your um candy crush example right it's not just that you can unlock value but it's that you can allow the community to actually govern the development of the game and the platform which to me is just so powerful and it just aligns like the incentives really tightly for all the stakeholders involved and that got to the point where you're fairly convicted uh, in terms of axie infinity so i understand you picked up a bit of a bag of axs right <laughs> uh yeah yeah i think uh what I've seen over the last months or so since uh, since I did the migration has been really, really 
really impressive. And I think the the design of the token economics that was done by Delphi um, is really good at capturing the value. Um, it, it's going to be interesting what the final design actually is and, and what they start sort of rolling out. Um, there's also the, you know, the virtual world where they've been selling um, land, but we're not sure how that's going to be um, integrated. So I think we're just extremely early um, with with Axie, and there's just like a lot, a lot of potential. So yeah, I did pick up some, you know, uh, we'll be looking to, to add um, as well. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm have high, uh, high conviction kind of in, in the, in the token and uh, in the team. So we'll try to build that position a little bit further. So you're doing a bit of a core satellite uh, allocation with MVI at the core and then picking up the, the projects that you really, really like on, on the outside of that. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I guess it's uh, one of the good things about uh, managing the, the metaverse index and trying to dig into these individual projects. Like eventually you you find things where you do have high conviction and uh, you sort of ha- have the ability to to build those positions as your satellite exposures in, in the space. I wish I had that with, you know, the DeFi space because uh, kind of we we spend a bit less time obviously digging into different projects in, in DeFi and uh, I definitely feel a little bit of FOMO in that there are some gems that I'm des- definitely kind of missing out on. Mm. Yeah, your track record in DeFi is not quite as good as your uh, Metaverse track record either, so... Maybe just stick to what you're good at in this case and <laughs> keep building uh, MVI metaverse positions. I, I was going to do a bit of a um, a bit of a far out analogy here. So for me, I'm picking up on what you were saying there about uh, us managing the MVI and the position that it kind of puts us in, I, it's been really interesting to go to this level of understanding on some of the projects and the analogy or the sort of likeness that I found is um, I, I carried out a series of interviews many years ago in my previous life as an automotive engineer. So we were growing the um, the sound and vibration team. And basically I, I went along with my manager to interview all of these people that turned up. And it's funny when you interview people, you kind of think you expect everybody's going to be very similar. It's going to be quite hard to choose. But when people start coming through the door, you realize that actually out of 10 people, you might get one or two that really stand out. And it's because they've done all of the prep and they've got good answers. Um, you know, they're, they're fairly relaxed or easy to get along with. Like everything just adds up and you go, all oh, right, you know, that's, they're on the shortlist. And it's been the same for me looking at all these projects um, across crypto. Like my, my short intermission as a trader, I thought I was doing research, but really once you've done two or three months of like burying yourself into projects and writing research pieces on them, that's when you start to realize what's good and what's not. And it, and it becomes as clear as day. And so stuff like Axie does really stick out as being fundamentally a very good project, professional team. Um, we I always say it about Decentral Games as well. Like I think our interactions with those guys are always really, really professional. Um, and they're always like 
very easy to get on with, very easy to work with, and that's kind of what you want. So, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a sideline on on the analogy there, but um, it's it's something that I've seen before, and I find it quite intriguing to like come across that that pattern here as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you. Uh, definitely had a share of uh, of those interviews, and those experiences as well. I think one of the criteria we used uh, was basically like you sort of need to ask yourself a question like would you would you want to um be stuck in the office with this person for like 24 hours you know uh and uh that was almost like the first the first test right because um i don't know how it was in in your job like for me we we had to work fairly long hours in 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 tradfi um and you you want people around you who you can actually spend that that amount of time with um without sort of wanting to kill each other um and i think i think the analogy kind of works right like by by now having looked at dozens of 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 projects if if not more like you get a sense of kind of what are the things that you should look out for and what are the things that um that should be there um and, and so yeah it's it's getting a little bit easier but at the same time what's getting harder is that there's more and more projects so <laughs> there is uh yeah there's a bit of a lack of time there um i think one thing that i wanted to i just briefly mention right and it's, it's something that i think we're gonna we're gonna write about um and that we discussed a little bit is the comparison between tokens and equity right and and how and the value like the value accrual to shares of equity shares in apple for example and value accrual for a token um like in the case of metaverse, you know, we can use Axie, but we can use uh, Aave or Maker or Uni or whatnot in, in the DeFi space. And I think that's something that a lot of people are sleeping on and, and not really thinking about. Um, but one, there perhaps isn't that much difference there, but if properly designed, tokens actually have a much more direct and transparent way to capture value. Um, and on top of that, if you look at governance, if you're a shareholder, you can vote on nominations to the board of directors or executive compensation. That's about it. Uh, as a token holder, uh, you can vote on anything, right? Like anything can be put up for the vote, including um things that are related to the business model and and the business strategy so i'm actually quite excited about that piece and sort of bring that comparison to light because i think again that's uh, one of the areas that is not discussed um and and perhaps uh underrated yeah for me i think on on that like obviously you've got uh, a wealth of experience pun intended um, in like the financial industry so your like insight and framework is going to be like vital to that 
that piece um, to that article. I think hopefully where I can add value and, and what's interesting, like in terms of the dynamic between the way you see things and the way I see things is I don't have any like preconceptions about this stuff. Um, obviously I've picked up a bit about how it all works over the stuff that I've done in crypto and, and learning to trade initially um, stocks and shares. Like I have to learn all these definitions and why, you know, a dividend is important. What is equity? All of this good stuff. But I've kind of seen it in some of the conversations I've had at the index co-op previously is I don't think I see tokens in the way that some other people do. I think a lot of people treat them like they are shares of a company and therefore they have a very rigid idea of like what they should do and how they should be used. But I mean, if you strip away everything and, and you're really cynical, basically you've just printed a load of stuff out of thin air that you then can leverage to grow your protocol or pay contributors or stick in a staking contract and use it to vote. Like really for me, it's more like a blank canvas. So when we start to, um, you know, generate that, that content and that article that you're talking about, hopefully the kind of insight that I can provide is, is looking at it without any, um, any kind of previous bias or any kind of, <laughs> maybe, maybe what I'm saying here is I don't really have a clue what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I, my, <laughs> it would be interesting to see what I come up with, but yeah, I, I just think there's like, there is an interesting dynamic there and, um, I'll be, yeah, I'll be keen to see what you're going to say about it. Yeah. But it's, it's also interesting, right? Because I, I, I agree with you that for, for a lot of like tokens, a lot of protocols, it's basically snap of a finger and there's a token generation event and it just creates millions, if not hundreds of millions of value out of thin air. Um, how's it different from a startup creating X amount of shares and selling them to investors or starting to compensate early employees with equity right like it's the same in my mind it's the same yeah well here we've got the interest or the interesting addition of a liquid market that means that you can come and go as you please um, and also everything that you do has a value at every single point in time so that obviously adds like a, a psychological aspect to things um, but yeah like fundamentally it's not I think if anything, what tokens and blockchain has done is kind of broken down these ideas uh, that have been around for decades now about like what all this stuff is and, and how you should value it. Um, and really, I, I think we talked about it before in another podcast, not a, not a metaverse related one, but um, how they're all just memes, like just because TradFi has, you know, hundreds of years of uh, backing and legacy behind it it's treated as gospel. But really, when you're valuing stuff on PE or price to sales or whatever it might be, and Amazon still doesn't give a dividend out, like what are you actually buying? You're just paying for future earnings that you may never get. They may never switch on a dividend. So all you're doing is holding something that you believe is going to go up because they're continuing to grow. So therefore, other people believe that they'll continue to grow. Like, I don't know, is, is this going to be a over the next decade, a change to more like fundamentals um, and value investing over what has been growth for like 40 years at this point. Um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting conversation to have and put it down on paper, I think. 
yeah yeah absolutely um cool i think i think probably a good place to to wrap it up just to sort of talk uh, very quickly about what we have coming up uh, obviously the monthly rebalance is uh happening this week and we're going to try to put out the monthly performance update for mvi we talked a little bit about it early um you know mvi underperformed um the the space uh which is to be expected for a smaller cap um more early stage sort of index and then uh another thing that uh we're working on is uh, putting forward um a budget for mvi growth so we have a couple of initiatives that we want to run over the next uh, several months and that will be going to the forum um and also we're thinking through um bringing on some guests onto this podcast so um hopefully you won't have to listen to us talk for this entire time <laughs> brilliant i'm sure everybody's really looking forward to that right um awesome well dark force capital thanks for joining me and uh you know um talking about kind of your research and and what we're doing here enjoyed having you and thanks everyone for listening and Thanks, everybody.